Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. To the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, chapter number 17. Proverbs 17. about 24 this is just one verse of scripture wisdom is before him that hath understanding but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth wisdom is before him that hath understanding but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth I just want to use as a subject here tonight the danger of farsightedness. The danger of farsightedness. Praise God. Would you pray with me that the Lord would touch here in this service tonight and anoint and bless us in this house and we definitely want his touch. Would you pray fervently? Dear Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to help us praying, God, that your will, complete sovereign will, would be done here in this house. You have a perfect design for this service, and we want to follow that. And I pray, God, that you would speak to the hearts of everyone present. Let your word find its intended place here in, in each one of our spirits. And God, help us to apply it to our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And would the church say amen. Let's say it a little louder. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I know it's Wednesday night, but uh, we don't need to be timid when it comes to our praise the Lord's. You can be seated. The danger of farsightedness. Most of us are probably at least a little bit, especially those who are maybe creeping up in age or or somewhat familiar with what uh, we say in, in the terminology of being farsighted. I guess my first recollection of knowing anything about this term is watching my mother as I was still living at home, just a young boy, and I noticed in the living room where she would sit and read the Bible or the newspaper, and uh, whatever it was that she was reading, she had short little arms, but she kind of had to keep pushing it out there like that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And uh, strained and... And finally, uh, she went to uh, the optometrist and got her eyes tested. And, and uh, sure enough, I needed some glasses. And uh, they said, you don't just need glasses. You, you're going to need some bifocals because you've got this malady that is called farsightedness. She could uh, see things as long as they were at an adequate distance, but things that were real close would become blurry. And uh, this is a a malady that also affects people spiritually. I was reading, and I was amazed by this, I was reading some time ago about babies and how that when they're just newborn, 
that their eyes are not fully developed and they can only see just a certain amount of feet away. They, nothing else is in focus. Just uh, they have the opposite of farsightedness. They have nearsightedness and they can see everything that is close up and after about six feet, their eyes become blurry and they cannot see things. And I begin to relate that to you and I in our spiritual walk with God and how it is that I have noticed and you too have observed and maybe you can even remember when you was a new convert and came into the church, all you could see, all that you could focus on was the good things of God. When you came to God's house, it was an easy thing to worship the Lord because there was very little distractions. Uh, nothing mattered more to you than, than coming into the house of God and feeling His presence and experiencing His glory, hearing His word. Everything looked beautiful to you. Everything was uh, just right because of this new experience. It was just so glorious. You were so happy to be delivered from a life of sin and uh, to be set free and you felt uh, so special about this relationship with the Lord, this new life. And how many knows that's exactly what happens. We get a new life, a new lease on life when we come uh, to serving God and dedicating our lives to the Lord. I believe what the Bible says that we're new creatures and that old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. And so you got a new way of looking at things. And uh, you got a new outlook on life. And uh, you see things. And it's so beautiful to you. And it's so wonderful to you. you you've got a new eye. You, you come in and you see the glory. You see the blessings. You see the miracles. You see and feel the effects of God's presence in a church service. And you, you see the atmosphere of a loving church and environment and hearing the Word of God. And you begin to see things in the Word of God that perhaps you didn't see before or could not see. You know, the Bible says the God of this world has blinded a whole lot of people. When they come into the truth, when you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there's an illuminating effect that takes place concerning God's Word, things that you didn't understand before. And that's why I'm very careful in how we handle new converts and dissemination of the Word of God when it comes to new converts. As a matter of fact, I had a scripture written down in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 2. It says, My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the shower upon the grass. What is the writer trying to say here? What he's actually trying to convey is this. He's trying to say that, that like dew that descends and brings moisture to plants that could not receive a hard rain or a gully washer, this rain that we had this past Friday night, I had just uh, done some work in our backyard, and we had some field dirt in there, and uh, this hard rain, you'd be surprised what water can move if there's enough of it, 
and uh, when when the force of water and how powerful it is and there's a there's kind of a drain through the back of our property there and and uh, yards and yards of dirt was was moved out underneath the fence there and through the back of the property and I was uh, shocked at, at, at just that rain the force of it had I had seed planted in that yard it would not have survived that rain if I'd have had small plants in that yard they would have been washed away many of you have spoken to me before and been a little bit frustrated when you have planted a garden uh, early time of the year and a lot of times there's heavy rains that come during that time of the year and you've had your small plants that you put in or seeds washed out and you've had to go back and plan again. A farmer doesn't want a hard rain necessarily. He would rather have just a, what I would call a small rain, or what the scripture here calls a small rain, that just is consistent and drops consistently, maybe over a long period of time. And really, the ground, the soil, receives much more from that kind of consistent falling of rain than it does from a, a, a great cloud burst or are just uh, when all the, the clouds seem like they just empty out over us and, and there's a hard rain. It washes out, it washes out a lot more and uh, even sometimes when we're in the midst of a drought, the ground is hard and it's not able to receive that and it runs off and it's gone and it's of no real benefit because it came so fast. Well, there's a lot of similarities between you and I's spiritual growth and the natural growth of plants and vegetables and trees and all of those things. And we see them paralleled in the Word of God. We see many times that the Word of God parallels vegetation, plants, trees to our spiritual life. And uh, we understand that through reading the Scripture in the book of Deuteronomy that it is important to that we be able to receive what we can. We do need the Word of God to come to us. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about doctrine. I wouldn't want to be in a church that never preached any doctrine. It's all just good feeling. It's all cheerleading. It's all, it's all up, 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 up. It's all encouragement, encouragement, encouragement. It's all faith, 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 faith. It's all miracles, 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 miracles. Well, there's no foundation in that type of situation to sustain a great house. There's no foundation to sustain you when the storm comes. Amen? And uh, you, you don't have any root system. And therefore, when the flood comes to your life, it washes you away. So we've got to have that constant, consistent dissemination of doctrine, the Word of God, being taught to us and explained to us. And we're, we've been doing that on Wednesday nights. That's why we're calling this foundational studies or, or uh, foundations is what we've been calling these Wednesday night Bible studies. And we've just been talking about uh, very simple things and doctrines of the Word of God and explaining them. We have Bible studies, home Bible studies. Some of you are in home Bible studies. I want to encourage you in that to continue. I was talking to Brother Brandon just this week. We have six Bible studies going on currently in this church. That's a wonderful thing. You ought to clap your hands and thank God for that. 
And we shouldn't just leave it up to Brother Brandon to be the only Bible study teacher. Others ought to be involved. And if you want to get involved, you can ask him how to be involved because this is an important aspect of our church, getting people grounded in the Word of God. I understand that if people just come in on a feeling, they'll leave on a feeling. But when you know this is the truth, you'll be like the Apostle Peter when he was asked by the Lord, are you going to go away also? He said, where can I go? He said, you have the words of eternal life. When this is truth, there's no turning back to anything else. When you understand and get a revelation that this is the right way, there's no going in to anything else. Praise the Lord. But remember, when you first came in, you're just like that, that baby. You could only see the things that really you needed to see. Uh, you, 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 this truth was so beautiful to you. Uh, the church, the concept of the church was so awesome to you. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, that person that, that falls in love with uh, a young lady or if it's, a, if it's a young lady, falls in love with a young man. You know, have you ever sat back and looked at some of these relationships and said, my Lord, what do they see in them? Come on now, you admit it. You've been there. What in the world? They just look like, what do they see in them? Well, the old saying is that beauty is in the eye of what? The beholder. And when there's relationship and there's connection and there's love, and as they get to know, they know that person better than you know them. Praise the Lord. And uh, they, have, they have an understanding of that individual and they, they see things that you do not see and you're not able to see. All you can see is the things that, that maybe are negative to you. And, uh, and, and by looking from the outside of the situation, you're not in the relationship. You don't have any feelings involved whatsoever. No commitment. No connection. It's easy for you to critique. It's easy for you to see the negative aspects. But when you're in love with something or someone, uh, those things uh, you tend to be blind to. When you love this truth, when you fall in love with this truth, you're not interested in picking and criticizing and finding loopholes and trying to... Oh, no, that's not even your attitude towards it. When you love this, and you must fall in love with this if you're going to be saved. Your love for this is going to be tested somewhere along the way. The Bible said there would be those that would believe a lie and be damned because they receive not a love for the truth. And... And it goes on to say a very dangerous thing. It says that they would, would, would become to the point that they would be sent a strong delusion. That's a scary thing. I don't get to choose that delusion. You don't get to choose that delusion. But if I turn my back on the truth, there's a great possibility that I, I could be delusional and not even realize it. But the Lord sends that strong delusion, the Bible says. That's why you have people that once loved and embraced and held and stood for the truth that now when you talk to them, not only do they not believe what they used to believe, but they really don't believe anything after you get to talking to them. They're delusional 
And it's a scary thing. And I've seen it happen with people that I love. You've seen it happen with people that you love. You, you've seen it happen with, with people that you're close to. I have uh, family members that raise me. I'm not talking about my parents. That raised me in this truth. That taught me. Had stronger convictions than I did at the time. And uh, that, that really uh, taught taught and put some things into me. But I am amazed when I have discussion with them, and I don't fuss with them, I don't argue with them, I just listen. And when I hear them discussing, and it's, you know, sometimes just our presence, uh, light, it condemns darkness. And you don't have to say anything, you just show up. Some people, they get aggravated, their spirit gets agitated because they know what you stand for. They know what you're about. They know who you are. They know your testimony. They know your reputation. And, uh, and so they, they get to squirming a little bit and trying to explain why they're now doing things that they used to not do, participating in things that they used to not participate in, involved in certain things that they used to not be involved in. And, and you wonder why in the world, uh, or how in the world, rather, did it get to this point? I'll tell you how it got to this point, is they lost their love for the truth. They lost their love for the things of God. And when you love this, it doesn't matter the sacrifice. It doesn't matter the self-denial. It doesn't matter what you've got to give up. Amen. I'm going to tell you, heaven's too beautiful. Jesus is too real for me to be worried about a few little things in this world that's temporal anyway that I have to give up or I have to sacrifice. Like I heard one preacher say, uh, he was asked, said, well, what, what would you say, preacher, if we got to heaven and we found out that you didn't have to go quite as far and do quite as much and commit to this level of commitment? What would you say to that preacher? What would be your explanation? And the preacher simply looked in their eyes and said, You know what? I'd rather get there and realize that, you know what? Uh, I went a little further than I had to, but I made it. And then, then to get there and to look and say, I wish I'd have went a little further because I didn't make it. I'm going to tell you, when you get to heaven, you're not going to be thinking about anything you had to sacrifice. You're not going to be thinking about anything you had to lay on this altar. You're not going to think about any measure of commitment that you had to make. You're not going to be considering and wondering and saying, you know, I would to God. I'd have had the opportunity to do that and go there and be a part of that and, and uh, do those kind of things. That's not even going to be on your mind. That's not even going to be a consideration to you. Praise the Lord. But it's easy over time. As we progress from being new, newborn babes in Christ, we start looking around. We start seeing things. Even good Holy Ghost filled people, we start seeing things that we didn't see before, didn't bother us before, we didn't even recognize before. I didn't know that sister over there had such a bad attitude. You can laugh. Oh, don't. Amen. It don't make me any difference. I didn't know, I didn't know that uh, they acted like that. I, I didn't know, I didn't know that they didn't like so-and-so in the church. Well, look at them. Seem like they're getting by with more than I'm getting by with. Seem like I'm a whole lot more committed than they are and they still get used. 
and we start looking around and finding little things to critique and finding little... You know why it's so quiet in here? It's because I'm right up in your business. That's why. Praise the Lord. Amen. And we start, we start developing a farsightedness. And we forget the reason why we got in this thing in the first place was to be saved. The reason why I got in this thing in the first place, I didn't care who was here. I didn't care. I didn't care what was going on. It wasn't none of my business. My only business was to be saved and to live for God and to do the will of God. Praise the Lord. And we start picking around and saying, well, this could be changed. You know what I've noticed? I've noticed over my little old 10-year pastoring that uh, most of the people, most of the people that bring the biggest complaints and they pick around and they got the most to criticize are the littlest when it comes to co- contributing to the church to make it better. Oh, they can point out because it's easy to be on the sidelines and point out things because you're not in the game. I said you're not involved, so it's easy to sit on the sidelines and point out how this needs to be different and that needs to change. And If I was the pastor, if I was in this, or I've never seen this, and I've never experienced this in all my years of going to church. Praise the Lord. And ask them to do something. Ask them to get involved in some way to help and to contribute. And no, it's a shrug of the shoulders or I'm not going to get involved. I'm going to tell you, you have no right to criticize anything that you're not involved in. Come on, let me say it this one more time. Let me say it so you can understand it. You don't have any right to criticize something that you're not a participant in. Don't bring to me a complaint. Bring to me a solution and say, I'm willing to get involved. I'm willing to help out. I'm willing to do what I can. I'm not wanting just to be on the sidelines pointing out things that are wrong. Praise the Lord. Because suddenly I've lost my my love and my appreciation and my newborn if I could say it this way, as a newborn babe, my limited ability to see things that are wrong and my focus on things that were... I'm going to tell you, there's still a whole lot more right with an apostolic church than there is wrong with it. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. You don't have to travel too far to figure that one out. I said you don't have to go too far to figure that one out. We're blessed. We're blessed with the truth. We're blessed with the revelation of who Jesus is. Come on now. Let's get back to square one. We're blessed with this message. We're blessed with this understanding. We're blessed and favored of God with a mighty anointing. Amen. I'm going to tell you, we may require quite a bit, but I I just want to state state to you that you can go to a lot of places and you won't feel and you won't experience the power of God and there's a reason for that and that's because there's dedication in this house. There's consecration to God in this house. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I don't want to, I want to be careful. I want to be careful that I don't lose my ability to see the good. You know, one of the most powerful scriptures and I can't recollect exactly where it is, but it's in the book of Psalms. One of the most powerful scriptures to me that King David penned was he said, he said, I'm going to see the good of thy chosen. Now you've got to keep in mind, 
This is a man that had been hunted by Saul. He'd been done wrong in several situations. His own son Absalom had uh, led a rebellion against him. And he still said, I'm going to see the good in thy chosen. And I feel like he was writing this verse particularly when it concerned, where it concerned Saul. And he said, that's a chosen man at one point. I know he's not what he started out to be. I realize there's been some radical changes in his behavior. But nevertheless, he was once anointed. And I'm going to be very careful how I judge him. And he said, I choose to see the good in what you have chosen. I'm going to tell you, that's a powerful thing for us to choose. To, you've got to choose to see the good in things. In your life, you would be a whole lot better served. Let me just give you a little principle of life. To look for something good to, and accentuate that and feed that. Kind of like the old boy, the Eskimo that had the dogs that uh, he fought every Friday night. And, uh, and one was black and one was a white dog. And, and, and he'd take them out and fight them. And they said, well, what, what, would, uh, what would happen? Why is it that one wins one night and the other one over here it wins the other night? And it didn't matter. Friday night they change up, you know, this Friday night this one wins. And he said, oh, that's easy. He said, it's the one uh, that I feed all week long. He said, that's, uh, that's the one that's going to win. And I'm going to tell you, what you feed in your life is what's going to bring you victory. What you, what you focus on, what you dwell on, what you, come on, am I talking to you tonight? What you put your heart into, what you think about all the time. Amen. I said amen. It's important that you realize uh, that if I'm going to feed, I'm gonna, whatever I feed, that's what's going to win. That's what's going to overcome. That's, what, that's what's going to rise to the top. And if you feed bad thoughts and bad actions and, 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 and you focus on all of that, that, that's what's going to grow. and That's what's going to become. The greater part of your life is going to consist of that. Praise the Lord. Everybody say praise the Lord. And so uh, I think it's very important, very important that we realize, hey, everything. He said understanding. Let's read that scripture again. 24th verse, wisdom is before him that hath understanding. you got to understand, it's right here. It's right here. Everything I need to live for God, everything I need to be successful in my spiritual walk, it's not out there somewhere, it's right here. Right here in the house of God. Right here around this altar. Right here on Wednesday night Bible study is where I get equipped to live for God and to serve God and to be what I need to be for the Lord. Amen? He said, the second part of this verse, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. It's the foolish person that says, you know what? I'm kind of getting weary and restless with where I am. It's bound to be better over there. Are bound to be better over there. You know, this is something that we've almost conditioned in America to feel this way because of the job market and all of that. There tends to be an attitude that persists. You know, rarely anymore does somebody go get a job somewhere and work that job until the time they retire. Amen. 
I thank God for, for God allowing that with, with many that are here under the sound of my voice tonight. But if we're not careful, we'll translate that into our spiritual walk and we'll live our lives the same way that we're always looking over there. I'd be happier if I were over there. I'd be, that's a foolish person, the wise man said. I'd be happier if I was in that church. I'd be happier if I was over there underneath that ministry. I, I'd be happy if I, if I was over there doing that. Or I'd be happy if I was living across the country over there. No, you know what the problem is? You're going to take you with you when you get there. And, and when you arrive, you, you, you's going to be there. And the same old problem's going to be there. And the same old stuff that you was challenged with here is going to be over there. Praise the Lord. You're going to have to look yourself in the mirror and say, Oh, buddy, every understanding is right here. Wisdom is right here. Everything I need is right here. I might as well plant me some roots. Amen. I might as well learn how to be loyal and be faithful and stand firm and, and uh, be consistent for God. Praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you, it's not healthy. I don't know why I'm saying this, because we don't, seem to have a big problem with it, but just in case we might, somebody might be thinking they got, might be tempted. Church hopping's not, not, not good for your family. Amen. I know there are certain dire situations and deals and situations and all of that, but it's not good to be a church hopper. Come on now. Is there some good old hearty amens in this house? Because your family, your children, your loved ones, your, your people you're witnessing to, the world in particular, they don't understand somebody goes to church over here one week and they go to church over there one week. How are you ever going to be a witness doing that kind of thing? And you know what you're telling your children? You get mad at the preacher, you can just always go somewhere else. You get a little upset. And, and I'm going to tell you something. If you live for God any period of time in any church, there are going to be things you don't understand. There's going to be things you can't get your mind around, you can't comprehend. You know why? Because half the time you only got half the story. Amen. You're going to question, man. Well, it looked like he had done that different or she had done that different or they would let me do this or whatever the situation is. I'm not trying to make up scenarios here. I'm just telling you that if you live for God in a place, any period of time, this is going to happen. Now, I know this is just old-fashioned teaching here. But I'm telling you, there ought to be loyalty to a church. A church. Praise the Lord. I got about 50%, but that's, that's all right. I'm telling you, it's important that you get rooted somewhere for your family's sake. And, and if you're not careful, you're going to be like this man that he's talking about, the, the ends of the earth. You get over there, you're going to be looking over there. You get over here, you're going to be looking further. And it's always somewhere else. Praise God. You know what I made up my mind? To the dismay of some. I said, you know what? I'm not going to take a church that's going to be, you know, I don't know. I don't know that anybody does this. But I'm not going to take a church that is a career move. I'm not going to take a church that I couldn't feel like I could stay there the rest of my life. Now, I know God's in control of everything. But I'm not going to take a church with the idea that someday I'm going to leave there. That's not fair to those good people. And it's not fair to my family. And that's not pleasing to God. Amen. How could you ever work a vision and ever go in, put yourself entirely into something if you didn't feel like, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to be here. 
praise the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, people that come to a church and they got it in mind that I'm just going to be here for a year and I'm on down the road, motors, I'll see you later. They'll never get involved in that church to the degree. And it will hurt their family and handicap them spiritually. And they'll always feel like an outsider because they're never involved. They're never completely sold out. And it is felt. I said it's felt. You can feel it. I can feel it. Everybody around you can feel it. Praise the Lord. When you have that kind of attitude that I'm just, I'm just here passing through. I'm going to tell you this is not a pass-through church. Amen. This is not stop on the highway church. We want to see people rooted. Get you a tap root. Bible said the righteous should be like a palm tree. You ever seen them palm trees out there on the beach? Woo, man, a storm. I mean, hurricanes. That sound like wind. I mean, hurricane flattens buildings, moves the landscape. That old palm tree. Still, its branches are up there, waving in the breeze when it's all when the storms passed over. You know why? Because that palm tree, it isn't superficial with the tree. It's not like them old pine trees around here. And these seem like these pine trees we've got around here. Some of them are kind of a hybrid type where they'll grow real fast. And they don't have much roots. And remember when that ice storm came through here, we found out how stout them pine trees were. And you take a tree that's just got superficial roots. There was a tree right down from my house. I'm back on horticulture again. It just had superficial roots. Just kind of Man, they went out there. I mean, plumb here to that wall. But they weren't deep. And when that wind got to pow, and that rain got enough water in that soil to loosen it up, down came that tree that had probably been there for 30 or 40 years. I mean, it was big around, but it just had big roots that went out. I'm telling you, it's important. If this preaching hurts, I'm sorry. This is just what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I can't help it. You got to get some depth in prayer. You got to get some depth in the Word. You got to get some depth in the church. I'm just going to be real frank with you here tonight. Whoever Frank is, I'm just going to tell you that I don't like using that word. I'm going to be honest with you because I try to be honest all the time. So I'm going to be frank with you. It means I'm going to be straightforward. And tell you that we need more workers in the church. Amen? We need more workers. More people involved. When you got something invested, when when you're involved in something, it, it gives you some ownership. And that's what you need. That's what your family needs, some ownership. When you've been around here and you've given to the church, and you've given to the church, and you've been faithful, you've got some ownership to that church. Isn't that important? important that we have ownership in the church. Praise God. Stability. Uh, we don't want to be like the Bible says, blown by and tossed with every wave and every wind of doctrine, the Bible says. It seems like we live in an area where when people, they, they don't want to submit, well, they go start a church. 
you know, well, I'm going to get my group together. And, and, and we got splits and splinters. and I mean, they're all over the place. Oh, I'm oneness. I'm going to tell you this because you say you're oneness don't mean you got the truth. Amen? Just because you say you're whatever doesn't mean anything to me. Praise God. And uh, gang up a bunch of rebels and, and people don't want to do right. And, and so that's the way we do if we're not careful. We don't want to submit nowhere. We don't want to live for God. We don't really want to buckle down and we can just do whatever. That's superficial. Praise Lord. This church hadn't been here as long as it's been here because it put down shallow roots. Or because there were saints of God that were just superficial. There's been a whole lot of prayer. There's been people in this church that have been faithful, consistent, solid, living for God, living the truth, being faithful to it, standing when the good times and the bad, and a church is a living organism. It has its ups and it has its downs sometimes, but you've got to stick it out. I said you've got to stick it out. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. I. I, I don't want to get to the place that I lose that, that new convert edge. Amen? In my worship, in my attitude towards the house of God, when I come to church, I want to come to church with an enthusiasm. Praise the Lord. I uh, read a book. It's called Crashing through and it was about a man that had and I've told about this book before but about a man that had a explosion with some chemicals in his garage when he was just about a four year old child he got in some of his daddy's stuff and, and anyway it blinded him he got this chemical in his eye it blinded him he could vaguely remember what his mother looked like but not 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 just vaguely four or five years old now up his late twenties, maybe early thirties, married, has his own child, and he he had done so many great feats in his life. He come part of the Special Olympics and and uh, went over to Africa and built a village and or helped, and then he got into ham radios and in Southern California built a big old tower himself. Scared his mother to death, climbing up there blind like that, and uh, he was with the, his wife on a routine check for her eyes and the doctor said you know what I want to check your eyes I said, there ain't no really use of checking mine I'm, I'm blind have been ever since I was four years old so let me check some we got some new technology and so anyway he checked him when he did he said I think there is a corrective surgery I'm not guaranteeing anything but it may work and uh, your eyes are connected to your, your brain and how that you see images and and, and, you know, you see this with stroke victims sometimes. There's a stroke on the, on the brain that affects their eyesight. Vice versa, something happens to your eyes. It's connected to your brain, how you see images. Your eyes uh, sometimes go, this part of your brain will deteriorate if it's not used. And your eyesight not, not being there for many years, of course, uh, the, the connections in his brain were not, were not what they really needed to be, but... But he, he, he had this surgery, and he was able to see to a degree. He was able to see uh, much better than, you know, being totally blind. He could see uh, the shapes and the figures of people. And, and when he got really up close, he could see maybe some, some details. 
And so his greatest uh, desire once uh, he, he got this surgery done was to see his mother. He wanted to be around her. He wanted to see her. He remembered a little bit about her. And he was so, uh, his mother and he had been through so much. He, he, and she had been so good to him. He, he wanted to be with her and see her for the first time after having the surgery. There was another man around the same time that had the same malady, ended up having the same corrective surgery, and they were studying these two men and the differences of their reactions to, to this surgery. One, he wanted to go see his mother. He was so happy to have received his sight. But there was something that broke down in the mind of this other man that he was literally mesmerized by little scratches in the furniture. Or when he would walk down the street, he would stand for literally, if somebody did not get him and carry him away, he would stand and look at a lamppost at the chips of paint on the lamppost or a dent on a car or scratch on the car, crack in the sidewalk. All the negative things is what he tended, even though he had had his sight restored, that's what he tended to focus on. While the other one said, I just want to be with my mom and I want to see my mother. And I thought, the church, Paul said, Jerusalem coming down from above is the mother of us all. The church is the, our mother. Amen. He just wanted to see and be around and was happy to be able to see his mother. You know, that's the way some folks are. They come to church, all they can see is the glory of God and how awesome God is and how wonderful it is, how, how glorious it is to be a part of the church. I don't want to be the one that's going down looking at the cracks in the sidewalk and the chips of paint and the dings and the dents. I'm going to tell you, there's some dings and dents and there's some scratches in the church if you look hard enough. But I'm going to tell you, if you'll step back and look at the whole picture, I said, if you'll look at the whole picture, you'll see that this is still a glorious church. Come on, let me hold up to you the beauty of the church. I'm going to tell you, just like this sign says across the back of this sanctuary, serving God is beautiful. That's an adequate phrase. That really is a, is a wonderful thing that we never need to let go of. That serving God is beautiful. It's wonderful just to have this privilege to come in this house tonight, lift up our hands, to give a shout of praise, to worship the Lord. I'm excited to serve Jesus. I'm thankful to be a part of the church. Why don't you clap your hands and let's give praise to the Lord. Oh, let's just go ahead and stand to our feet. I'm through. Let's worship the Lord and thank God.